We are strong. We are proud. We are the Latino Community Foundation of Colorado. We build vibrant communities across the state by investing in our people. By the year 2042, one of three Coloradans will be of Latino ancestry. We must create opportunity so our children, families, and elders can share their stories, feel connected, and give back at all levels of society to shape an inclusive Colorado. We are your trusted partner, your ambassador for transformative change. Somos familia. Let's create our collective power together. Connect with us at latinocfc.org. Hi, I'm Rachel Griego with the Latino Community Foundation of Colorado, LCFC, and I would love to welcome you to the Our Story podcast. With each episode, we will elevate and address pertinent issues throughout the Latino communities in Colorado and beyond. We believe that transformative change is possible when the collective power of Latino communities come together. We are excited to kick off the series with part one of a rich, in-depth historical discussion of our community's past, present, and future entitled El Conocimiento, featuring Dr. Nikki Gonzalez, Colorado State Historian and Associate Professor of History, Politics, and the Political Economy at Regis University. But first, let us listen to the powerful words of Molina Speaks, a visionary local artist who believes that every story is poetry. This is the Latino Community Foundation of Colorado, our story series. Es la historia, mi historia, tu historia. Es la historia, mi historia, tu historia. Para todos que luchan hasta la victoria. Es la historia, mi historia. It was a rough journey up from Michoacan. The ground toward his feet. Some baked at his arms across the border into a new world. Promise of a dream to share with his boy and his girl. But that American dream disappeared in the dusk. It wasn't long before his hands were locked and cuffed. Shipped back across the border at the break of dawn. Denied a land that was his. Some call it Aslan. Upon his awake, right back on the trail. Gonna make it to his destination, heaven or hell. He's been called stupid spick, wetback, an immigrant. Beaten by the police, mistaken for ignorant. This man is diligent, made a life out of scraps. Empty spoon he was given, made it a living. Every day, sweat and tears, peep the blood on his hands. Daily labor and the hot sun. This is a man, he's got respect and honor. Love of a father, face of dedication, heart of a martyr. Back in the day... I used to think he was poor. He gave me something to fight, breathe, live, and die for. Verse two, it's for Abuela. Se llama Consuela. She recognized the old ways, speaking Nahuatl. Cure for every ill, herb for every cold, vision impaired, hearing impaired, the body's old. The soul is older, recognized eventually. It's through the strength of love that we could live through centuries, her youth. That's her energy. That's how she embraces us. She provokes thought. She brings smiling faces. Tales about the ages. Story awakens. The spiritual side that provokes the insight that guides us down the path of eternal life. All the while, she keeps us calm by making us laugh. Most of us contemplate God and a vision of heaven. But to know such a woman in itself is a blessing. 
Young warrior Chicano, set from the sun. Past life visions of a people of one. The beats drawn, flames flicker, no fear in his heart. He's freed from a system that shakes and breaks the average soul. Story is 500 years old. That's when a culture was broke, land taken. Babies were killed, mothers were raped. Then came the infamous treaty of 1848. A sea of hate, there's always something to battle. A law with a white hood, the Vario's projects, felon education system, prison industry complex. He's all about the struggle, even if he must bleed. He'd rather die on his feet than live on his knees. La Historia del Mexicano. I wrote this as a first-generation college student, and it was something that I had labored over, really trying to get this story right. And what I was trying to do is to write about an immigrant father and a Chicano son and a transference of knowledge. And I couldn't quite get it right. And I fell asleep on my bed, a pad and pen right beside me. And I had a dream about my abuelita. And uh, I had never met her in the physical form. You know, I'd heard a lot of stories about her um, from Miefe, you know, my dad told me a lot about this woman who cured him of his asthma, um, this curandera uh, with Tarahumara roots from the highlands of Durango. And in this dream, we were in this uh, expansive field, and she literally gifted me breath. And I woke, I, I woke from this dream. I could feel uh, just the tingles in my body as I recount it. I woke from this dream, and that second verse about the abuela, it just flooded out of me. You know, it was just there. And immediately I, I revisited that first story. Um, it was a rough journey up from Michoacan. It just flooded out of me. And then the third verse, you know, about the Chicano activists. Again, it was just there. And honestly, from that point forward, I've never had writer's block, you know? And, and part of it is um, just the message that I got, the instruction I got was to just believe in the palabra inside of me, you know, to believe in the living word, uh, to believe what's in the corazón, to believe in the knowledge within. And it's important to gather all of this knowledge externally. You know, we have many teachers and uh, life is an endless lesson, you know, uh, it's one big road. Um, and so we have to trust each part of that road, each step along this journey. And sometimes, uh, you know, we're going to get it really right, and sometimes we're going to get it wrong, but that's okay. You know, each day, it's a new story. It's another opportunity. Any moment could be a new day. Any day could be a new year. Any year can be a new life, you know. And so um, to everybody who's watching, you know, I urge you to trust uh, the historias that live within you, you know. Trust your history. Trust where you come from. Trust where you're going. Uh, so we got to keep the body moving. You know, we have to keep the mind moving. We have to keep the mind sharp. We have to keep the corazón in motion. You know, keep the emotional body in motion through the radical imagination, through our creativity, which roots us back to source, which roots us into our right brain, that connection to the ancestral, to the feminine that lives within all of us. Trust yourself. Trust the instructions that come. And keep creating. And now, Dr. Nikki Gonzalez, Vice Provost for Diversity and Inclusion at Riches University and Colorado State Historian. 
I'd like to talk a little bit about uh, who we are as a Latino community, kind of give a little bit of an overview through some anecdotal uh, stories about our history as Latinos in Colorado. And I'll begin with a quote saying, we, all, we tell our stories to make sense of our lives. And this came from an interview that I did with a Chicana activist who had just finished um, telling me her life story and the, the story of her community in the 60s and 70s. And she, she ended the conversation with, with that statement that we tell our stories to make sense of our lives. And it is my belief in the importance of our stories, the centrality of our stories that, that brings me here today. Over the years, I've been fortunate enough to sit with people all over the state, with Latino people all over the state, to talk about their lives. I've sat with them in their living rooms where they kind of pull out shoeboxes from their attics, and they show me poems, they show me letters, old photographs, um, jewelry, uh, different artifacts from their past, which all tell a story. And these are stories of love. They're stories of resilience, of, of struggle, of triumph. Um, and, and when pieced together, they compile the story of our, our Latino community in Colorado. Through this process of sitting down with me and telling me their stories, these individuals come to understand themselves just a little bit better, and collectively, their stories are pieces that create a larger narrative of Latinos in Colorado. I've spent my life piecing these stories together, um, the stories of our people, stories that have been pushed to the margins, that have been buried under a mythologized history of the West, and, and more specifically, a mythologized history of Colorado. It is a, a mythologized version of history that has denied us a dignity. In her extraordinary TED Talk, The Danger of a Single Story, Chimamanda Adichie shows us that, quote, stories can be used to empower and to humanize. Stories can break the dignity of a people, and they can also repair that broken dignity. For years, we were crushed by a single story one which left us out of the narrative of Colorado history and which questioned our presence, which called us un-American, one which denied us our dignity. However, now we've reached a point in our history that we are claiming our contributions to the state. Knowing our history as Latino people, knowing our stories is repairing that bro broken dignity. It is a process of discovery, and I believe it is a process of empowerment. Perhaps this process of empowerment is the most important part of the journey that we are on collectively as a community. It is a process of empowerment that brings us to a position where we can have our share of influence in politics, education, and on the landscape. It is certainly an exciting time for us as a Latino community, especially the past couple of years when there's been a resurgence of interest in American history, and in particular, our history as Latinos. We see this through efforts in the city of Denver to rename parks, rename rec centers, rename buildings, uh, memorials, and so forth, as well as at the state level where Governor Polis has recently signed an executive order creating an advisory board to rename or to recommend renaming um, geographical features throughout the state. The process of renaming peaks like Mount Evans to uh, give us an opportunity to through our geographical features, reflect a more accurate version of our history. All of this brings us 
to a truer sense of our state's history and of ourselves. Personally, my entree into the life of a historian began when I was a little girl, and it has always been deeply personal. It began as an interest in stories that were true, stories of people, stories of places that I only imagined. I read through books when I was you know, second and third grade. But as I grew older, it, it emerged into a search for my own roots, just as we are kind of on the search of, of, of our roots as a Latina community. It was a history, my personal history was a history that came to me as a youth in only bits and pieces from conversations with parents, grandparents, aunts and uncles, cousins, and so forth, all of which fascinated me but left me unsatisfied. And so it, was, it has been a journey to fill in those gaps and to um, explore topics that, that I have continued a curiosity about. In the, in the more recent years, I've arrived at a more sophisticated understanding of my past, both family and community. And I'd like to share a few of those realizations with you today. I will attempt to shape an understanding of who we are as a community through anecdotes, through stories, through um, experiences that I've had throughout my career as a historian. So who are we as a community? And how is it even possible to generalize about a Latino community that itself is so incredibly diverse? Well, I think first of all, like, it, it begins with acknowledging that we are a diverse community in so many ways. For some of us, branches of our families have been here for centuries in, in the indigenous past of, this, of what has become Colorado. For others, we are recent arrivals to the state of Colorado. And throughout our history, we have called ourselves many names, and we have had many labels bestowed upon us by the government, by a society that has often tried to marginalize us. Even a list of the labels tells a political and social history. Hispanos. This is a label that is very common throughout the southern part of the state, especially the San Luis Valley. Those who came here from northern New Mexico and continued those traditions. Spanish Americans, again, a name common throughout the state's southern region. And a, a name that emerged in the early part of the 20th century out of a period of intense racism against Mexicans. And so it was an attempt by communities to identify themselves in ways where they could kind of sidestep a lot of that racism by identifying more with their Spanish ancestry. Mexican-Americans is a label that emerged in the mid 20th century with what historians call the Mexican-American generation, which was a generation of Latinos who identified with the country of their origin, um, with the language of their ancestors, and began to arrive at a more sophisticated understanding of their own history, and in the public sphere to advocate for equity and justice. And then in 19, the 1960s, 70s, and 80s, we see the emergence of the terms Chicano and Chicana to signify a political identity, an evolving search for identity, an identity that reclaimed the indigenous roots of their ancestors, an attempt to come to grips with a very complex, even contradictory identity, which is most notably uh, mentioned in Corky Gonzalez's epic poem, I Am Joaquin, where he talks about our ancestry being both conqueror and conquered. 
And then in the 1970s, we have the term Hispanics becoming more, um, more public, and really as a result of the government trying to create or come up with an umbrella term for the Latino community. And still, even today, the term Hispanic is the most preferred term for members of our community. We also call, some of us call ourselves Afro-Latinos for those who identify with their African roots. In addition, labels reflect country of origin, Puerto Rican, not, not a country, uh, Cuban American, Dominican, Peruvian American, and then most recently, the term Latino, which has kind of become a more favored term among um, not quite a majority of the Latino community, but a large portion of the community. And then even more recently, approximately 3% of the population identifies with the terms Latinx or Chicanx. Many on college campuses and academic settings who use the terms to be more inclusive of all gender identities. These can be loaded terms, certainly, and they often reflect the political and social identities of the person who uses them. Celebrate with us on October 13, 2022, as we celebrate the 15th anniversary of the Latino Community Foundation of Colorado at the Denver Art Museum. Don't miss it. Yet despite the diversity of labels, there are some general cultural elements that we all share that are part of who we are on a foundational level. And I wanna share a few of those with you. The first is a sacred relationship with the land. We have long traditions of working with the land. We come from agricultural roots of self-sufficiency and production for the market. We, have a, we carry with us a reverence and gratitude to Mother Earth, a traditions of blessing the fields, of blessing the irrigation ditches or the acequias, and the animals that provide us with food. San Isidro is celebrated in many agricultural communities still as patron saint of the farmers. And there are stories told in retablos, in oral histories, and in textile arts about the significance of the connection, the spiritual connection with the land. Many of our communities still are defined by a communal environmentalism, which is a code of ethics, environmental ethics, that governs interactions with the landscape, whether it be water, pasture, or common lands. In my research, I encountered beautiful, if not terrifying, stories of young boys ages 11 and 12 who spent entire summers alone on mountaintops in nature, tending to the family's sheep flocks with only the company of their shepherd dogs and their rifles in the event that bears or mountain lions would encroach upon their territory. Many of them took the Bible with them as the only book the family owned um, to keep them company during those long, dark nights. The acequia systems that dot the Southern Colorado landscape provide another, um, another example of this sacred relationship with the landscape, which is a, a system of irrigation ditches with its roots in Roman and Middle Eastern um, irrigation practices, which has become perfectly suited to the arid landscape of Southern Colorado. The system itself is often governed by a community leader referred to as a mayordomo, 
who regulates, who is in charge of regulating all uses of water in that community and makes sure that each farmer only uses the amount of water at the, spe the specified time that he or she is allotted. And so it's a very tightly controlled, um, very well adapted, again, practice to a very arid environment. And there's a, a saying in Southern Colorado that it's okay to steal a man's wife, but never his water. Um, in, this, in the town of San Luis, there, is, there has been 160 years tradition of resistance to outside encroachments from um, investors, from land speculators, to lumbermen, and so forth. People who have tried to encroach upon that sacred bond that a community has with the natural landscape. Secondly, we are... a a people that is united by a common language. Even though some of us carry indigenous languages with us, we do have the common Spanish language. And the Spanish language here in the United States and Colorado specifically has been a very contested terrain of identity, of, of community. And over the years, um, about the mid 20th century, uh, young kids were banned from speaking the language in public, especially in public and Catholic schools. And so it was a way to assimilate them, a way to Americanize a, a population of people that was considered to be un-American. And for my generation and generations after me, there's been a resurgence in reclaiming the language that was lost by many of our ancestors and sending our kids to kind of this burgeoning network of dual language schools and of bilingual schools and so forth. Um, culinary traditions also provide another example of, of identity within our Latino community. Foods such as tamales, beans, calabacitas, green chili, atole, arroz con leche, and empanadas um, are all derived from foods that are native to this land and have and, and we have, through those foods, exercised an influence on the culture and, and um, cuisine of Colorado. The family and community. I recently came across a 2012 study that concluded that 86% of Latinos identified the family as core to their Latino identity. Our families are our home base. And it is to our ancestors and to our elders that we remain devoted and we express this devotion through, you know, care for our ancestors um, and, and a real interest in, in the oral histories and the stories that, that our ancestors, that our elders carry with them. Often family is loosely defined in our community. We bring people who are not united with us by blood, but through kinship um, into our circles of family, whether they be, you know, our tias or tios, aunts, uncles, cousins, um, general elders in the community. We bring them into the circle of, of, of family. Where these networks have broken down, we see some of the major problems in our community, and it should be a priority for us to rebuild and reimagine ways to bring those elders into, um, back into a sense of family and community. Another cultural asset that we have, that we claim, is our spirituality and our religious identity. We are a community of diverse spiritual traditions and practices, but there are some common characteristics that we share. Many of our traditions have been shaped by European Christianity, 
many of us are Catholic or have families whose roots are rooted in Catholicism. These Christian practices are often enhanced by indigenous symbols, practices, and traditions. Scholars have written extensively about the association of the Corn Mother in the Southwest with the Virgin Mary. The image of Our Lady of Guadalupe has become a pop culture symbol of identity for many in our community with meanings that go far beyond the religious and spiritual. Author Ana Castillo, Castilla writes that, quote, for many of us growing up, God was an invisible strict figure. He is remote. While Our Lady of Guadalupe is someone you can see, she is a palpable image. She is the mother figure, forgiving and all loving. Castilla further points out that the connection, she further points out the connection that many Chicana feminists see between the Virgin of Guadalupe and the pre-Columbian goddesses of Mexico. And throughout our history, such goddesses have led or inspired movements. That's why we see Our Lady of Guadalupe's name and image invoked on behalf of immigrants or against police brutality or anytime we seek solace or protection. In fact, one of the most memorable images comes from the 1966 farm workers movement of marching farm workers marching behind a banner of Our Lady of Guadalupe on their 300 mile march from Delano, California to Sacramento. Here in Colorado, our own Tony Ortega has captured this spirit during the 2006 immigration rights marches in Denver through his painting La Marcha de Lupe Liberty, which is a, a symbol that is a hybrid of Our Lady of Guadalupe and Lady Liberty, an image that symbolizes justice, compassion, protection, love, and solace. On behalf of the Latino Community Foundation of Colorado, we thank you for joining us for the Our Story podcast and this episode, El Conocimiento Part 1, where our Latino lived experiences meet action. Mil gracias to our first Latina state historian, Dr. Nikki Gonzalez, and to Molina Speaks. This series was made possible through the support of Colorado Housing and Finance Authority, Colorado Health Foundation, Molson Korst, and University of Colorado. Production credits to Emmy-winning producers, Truce Media Collective. To learn more about the work of the Latino Community Foundation of Colorado, check us out on the web at latinocfc.org and by helping us to make transformative change through your financial support. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at latinocfc. This is the Latino Community Foundation of Colorado, our story series. Next up, episode two, part two, El Conocimiento with Dr. Nikki Gonzalez, as she continues to share a rich, in-depth historical discussion of our community's past, present, and future. <laughs>